I actually believe that we have a much better business than Airbnb. We want to acquire new people who will pay to join the community, but then who go on to use the platform and enjoy it successfully. And that's been a real mantra for us throughout. But then since the pandemic, we're now experiencing much faster growth. The US had become our, our largest and fastest growing market and is now over 40% of our overall members are based in the US. My guest today is Matthew Pryor, who's the CEO of Trusted House Sitters. Trusted House Sitters is a platform and community that allows pet owners to find pet sitters to look after their home and pets while on holidays. On the show today, Matthew tells me why he thinks he has a better service than Airbnb. We talk about the importance of building a great community and how to include your members in the success of your business. Matthew also tells me how they've built the community to over 85,000 members worldwide. And we talk about the recent 10 million Series A round to fund their US expansion. I'm your host, Mark McDonough, and this is the UKTN Podcast. Our sponsors of the show, Uncapped, believe it's crazy that for e-commerce businesses to fund growth through marketing, inventory or hiring, they have to sell equity to VCs, especially when they know they'll make that money back right away. Uncapped solved that problem. Already helping over 500 businesses worldwide, they offer up to 5 million of capital for a flat fee. You pay back only as you generate sales, no dilution or loss of control. Founders simply apply online, receive a decision within 24 hours and make monthly repayments that flex with your revenue. Head to weareuncapped.com forward slash UKTN to find out more. And to avail of a 10% discount off your fees, use the code UKTN10. That's UKTN10. Now let's get into the show. Matthew, thanks for coming on the show. I wanted to have you on because, as as I'm sure you know, the amount of pet owners has has grown massively during during lockdown, during COVID, and now with travel back up and running, um, I'm sure you're feeling you're feeling the impact of of the growth opportunity there, are you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's as you say, you know, the growth in pet ownership has been phenomenal um, globally during the pandemic and it's continued after the pandemic. I think it's continued a trend that had actually started before the pandemic. Um, but it's not it's not just been the growth in pet ownership as such. It's also been the changing relationship of of people and uh, the changing relationship that people have with their pets. Where, you know, in the past, I think, you know, pets were an animal that was kept, you know, sometimes in the house, sometimes out of the house. And now, you know, we, we hear statistics that say, you know, at least two thirds of pet owners treat their pets with the same care as they would their child. And indeed, many, I think, pet, pet owners, pet parents, um, as we also refer to them, um, you know, have that relationship with, with their pets. And we see it being borne out, you know, day in, day out um, in our business, where, you know, pets are right at the front and centre of the family and of people's lives. So I think it's, it's, it's not just been about the growth in ownership, but it's also been about this unique relationship that people have with, with, with their beloved pets. I think you're right by calling them pet parents rather than pet owners because I'd be guilty of that myself where during lockdown we actually got a new dog and you're right it's like I don't have children but I'm sure I treat my children just as good as I'm treating my dog at the moment yeah. and if I was to go away um, at the moment it's real asking friends and family 
um, if they'll if they look after the dog, if there's somewhere I, I'm going that I can't take the dog with me. So you're right by saying people are treating their pets so much better than they did in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you, you then follow the, you know, follow it through and, you know, the, whether it be the sort of food that people are giving their pets, um, the, um, you know, the, the relationship, you know, in the house that people have with their pets, but then also, you know, what do, what do I do when I want to go away on holiday? Um, now, some people do are very fortunate and have a neighbour who can who's known to the pets who can look after look after the pets, um, but not everybody has that. And I think increasingly the idea that people will just go and deposit their pet in a in a kennel or in a category um, is becoming a bit obsolete. And um, and likewise, people you know may not have the the favour of the ne- of the next door neighbour, or may actually be wanting to travel quite a bit um, and run out of favours and feel a bit guilty um, about uh, about using those favours up. And that's kind of where trusted house sitters comes in. There's a number of things I want to talk to you about on this podcast because you have raised um, over ten million in funding, and I think you're in over about. 130 countries now and and you're growing rapidly and i know a lot of the the money the raise you're going to use for the expansion into the u.s before we get into any of that can you tell me where you're really bringing the tech into travel and also into the pet sector and what you're doing with trusted house sitters trusted house sitters is 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 a very unique uh, business and it's unique because it's it prioritizes community over commerce and um and has created and we've we've created this fairly unique value exchange so the principal reason why trusted house sitters exists is because we believe that we have the best solution to the biggest problem associated with pet care which is uh, i want to go away on holiday how can i make sure my pet's going to be happy while i'm away um it's a, and, and we our, our marketplace is two sided, so we have on one side pet parents, pet owners, um, and on the other side we have pet sitters, and both pay an annual fee to join the platform, um, and there's kind of three membership tiers, and then and then the way it works is a um, a pet owner will post their sit, so they'll say here's my house, here's my pet, um, here's the sort of requirements that my pet has. Um, here's how I like my pet to be treated, um, and uh, and then I'll post that to the platform, and then sitters will apply to the to the owner, and then the owner will confirm one of those sitters. Um, and they'll select the sitter, and they'll select them according to various different criteria that is different for every owner. So it may be that there's something in common from one of the sitter's social media feeds. Um, it may be that um, this sitter has experience looking after the same breed. Uh, the owner can also see the sitter's previous reviews if they've if they've done a previous sit. Um, so there's a real sort of opportunity for the owner to look at sitters. All of the sitters are verified and in the US they're background checked. So the platform, I suppose the tech and the platform is really designed to engender um, the ability for an owner to find a sitter, for the sitter to be able to apply to the owner, for kind of trust equity to be established on both sides, and um, and then f- for communication to happen as well between the owner and the sitter to make sure that the, the sits a success. 
there's obviously a, a massive need, as you said, because like you've looked after over four million nights of of pet sittings through the platform, and I'm sure you've been compared to the likes of Airbnb and an opportunity in this space. Because like I take it a lot of people refer to you like that, do they? Yeah, it, it's it's a quite a common uh, reference point actually. And I actually believe that we have a much better business than Airbnb. The, the, you know, travel, as you said at the start, um, travel is now beginning to to open up. But before the pandemic, there was a really strong push towards sustainable and ethical travel. And with trusted house sitters, you can travel um, travel the world. Um, you can travel to. We we're in over 130 different countries. But when you actually stay in the destination that you've that you've gone to, you're staying in someone's house, so you're not increasing the carbon footprint of that particular area. You're not contributing to over tourism. You know, there's stories about Airbnb hoovering up, you know, a lot of inner city flats in uh, apartments in um, in very desirable locations. So you're not contributing to over tourism. Um, but also, very importantly, you're travelling with a purpose. Um, so you're going to look after somebody's pet to keep that pet happy. Um, so we believe that with trusted house sitters, the travel experience that you get is a much more purposeful, much more ethical, and much more sustainable one. And it's also, I think, um, you know, particularly if you think about a single female, for example, wanting to travel, you know, with trusted house sitters, they'll go to someone's existing house. Um, if, the, if the pet is a dog, then the owner will say, here's, here's the route that I take my dog on, here's the dog park to take my dog to. And that sitter will then take the dog on that walk and will meet the owner's friends along the way. So it's a very different travel experience, but one that creates immense joy and immense satisfaction because it's not only you know, ethical, sustainable, purposeful, but also you've got a great companion in the new pet. So we actually believe that it's it's a more powerful solution. Now, um, you know, Airbnb is a massive global corporation. We're a niche business still. We have 85,000 members worldwide. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't have an ambition to be um, anywhere near as big as Airbnb, but we are better so it's um it, we've got a very sort of a very good opportunity i think to provide people with the opportunity for much more unique and better travel experiences so i take it you're looking for for people traveling both ways and what i mean by that is you've got the the the, the pet owner who owns the house or the or the flat is looking to to travel themselves wants someone to mind their pet whether it's a cat or a dog or whatever it might be and you're also looking for someone that, let's say the, the pet owner is in London, you're looking for someone traveling to London uh, to be able to stay there. Or or do you, is the community built of, of people who are living in London and are kind of going from house to house or from apartment to apartment? It's a real mixture. Um, before the pandemic, um, about 70% of our sits were filled domestically and about 30% internationally. So from people traveling across border to do the sit. Obviously, during the pandemic, um, when SITs were allowed, that went up to almost 100% domestic. And actually, there's, there are some, um, some pet owners who prefer to have somebody local, and you can understand the rationale for that, um, because if something goes wrong, 
um, that sitter will know the local area, so that's good. But then other other pet owners love the idea of offering um, the opportunity to somebody travelling internationally for a new experience. So it's really kind of down to that unique relationship between the pet owner and sitter to see what works. Um, and likewise, from a sitter perspective, you know, some some sitters' motivation is to travel internationally. Um, it's a you know it's a it's I've said already it's such a great solution for that. Um, but then also some sitters just want to explore their own town, want to explore their own lo- locality. Sometimes you know it can be friends who share an apartment, and one of them will be a sitter just to get a bit of a break away from the being in that apartment, and will do a sit just down the road. Um, but also don't forget one of the key reasons why sitters do this is okay the travel's an important part of it, but the pet companionship is a really really big part so all of our sitters are pet lovers they um many have have owned a pet before but their lifestyles now don't allow it many would like to own a pet but their lifestyles don't allow it so this is a really great opportunity for sitters to actually experience the joy of looking after a pet it never seems to amaze me how much things change and, and your view on things. And I remember when when I'll just mention Airbnb again, when they had first launched, it, you know, it was like it was a blow up mattress on the ground. And, you know, most people could not get their head around it or ever see that working. And then you see where they are today. And I know I know um, Trusted House Sitters launched in, in 2010, but I'm sure there was a year that that you know now i know you're not with the company since 2010 but um i'm sure there was a year that they saw that they really saw the change and the acceptance of, of something like this can you tell me a little bit more about the growth and how you've built the community to that size did you say it was 85,000 85,000 yeah yeah, yeah. How how did you build it to eighty five thousand? I'm curious to know because I'm sure a lot of my audience that are listening now are, are curious to know because we all have business. A lot of people are trying to build communities. I'm a guest that I had on the show previous to you, a, a girl called Asha from Framework. We we had a conversation about community and building a community. But I'd love to know because you you you've got quite a large community at eighty five thousand. How did you grow that, and how are you growing that? Yeah, so the. We we have a North Star metric, um, which I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with. What's what a North Star metric is, um, but we ours is that we want to um, we want to um, acquire new members who are successful uh, within three months. Okay, and what this does, and what we mean by that is, we want to acquire new people who will pay to join the community, but then who go on to use the platform and enjoy it successfully. And that's been a real mantra for us throughout. Um, and what that means is it's kept us really true in terms of the type of people that we want to acquire. So the type of people who we want to appeal to. When you talk to our members, there's a real common thread of of, 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 of pet love. Um, and that's something that is, is a really important aspect to all of our activities. So that has been the the ethos of the business right from the start so the growth was was steady throughout the the tens i guess from 2010 you know through to 2020 um no particular year was a kind of big inflection year it kind of grew and grew and grew um 60 of the new members being acquired was through word of mouth 
Um, people love to talk about this. Um, it's a real sort of it's a real lifestyle for a lot of people. Um, it's also you know doing the right thing because you know you're doing the right thing for your pets, but you're also part of this great community. So a lot of our growth had been driven through word of mouth. I guess where that started to, where we really started to build on that was on the way out of the pandemic, when we really, when, when we really felt okay, um, the world has changed um, from the point of view of pets and people's relationships with pets that we talked about before, but then also from the point of view of travel, you know, and travel opening up. Um, but now there's this huge opportunity for people to work from anywhere and pet sitting is a fantastic way to facilitate a lifestyle where you can work from anywhere and i was talking to a member yesterday who's a who's a psychotherapist um traveling around from everywhere and doing his psychotherapy from croatia and from spain and getting that to fit in with his lifestyle so you know there's we, we sort of feel now that there, there is an inflection point where we can now grow more rapidly, which was the primary reason for doing the raise last year as we exited COVID and we could see that there was, it was a massive opportunity. So, so we've, we've had sort of steady growth throughout the, the, the period from the start through to the pandemic. But then since the pandemic, we're now experiencing much faster growth. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but with building a community and especially with what you're building, um, I take it you have some members that join, right, that are maybe looking to to house sit. Um, and they could be in a location or looking to go to a location that there are no houses. You know, because it's like that, that old, um, there was a company in the past that was building a taxi app. But in order for them to be successful, they needed to have taxis on the app, but they were building the users first rather sure. than building the the building it the other way around have you come up against that do you find that when building the community you might bring on someone who um is is looking for something and looking for for as you said to house it but there's no houses available or you're not even available in that location yet a quick sponsor reminder if you're looking to fund growth without having to give away equity uncap solve this problem to find out more go to we are uncapped.com forward slash uktn and to avail of a 10% discount off your fees, use the code UKTN10. That's UKTN10. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of aspects to this. Um, first of all, you know, it, it isn't we, we don't operate a kind of booking system as such for sitters. So a sitter can come on. If a sitter is thinking, right, I want to go to New York for two weeks from the 1st to the 15th of August, it's probably not going to work for them because you know it's it's unlikely that there's going to be the right sit in the right location at the right time and that owner is going to want that sitter so there is a lot of flexibility that's that's required um, amongst amongst the members so getting making sure that that message is is pretty clear from the start is is really important and the second point is um, about geographic density so we have um like any marketplace we have what we call marketplace liquidity which is making sure that you're balancing supply and demand and in our case supply is the owners and demand is the sitters however unlike your taxi app um analogy the taxi app requires there to be a taxi and a taxi customer both very close to each other because we have a mobile 
um, community of sitters. We don't need that geographic density. We, we try to make sure that there's kind of approximately, it's kind of approximately there, but it doesn't need to be quite as nailed down and specific. So it makes it a bit easier for us to appeal to a broad range of people. Um, because we don't need to be thinking, right, okay, we've got X number of owners in southwest London, we're going to need X number of sitters to be able to fulfil that requirement. As long as, generally speaking, in London, in the surroundings, we're kind of in balance, then it's okay. This was something that we, you know, we, we looked at in great depth around what our density needs to be um, and actually decided that um, you know that the approach that we take right now is, is the right one um, and it was quite a sort of big moment in terms of us realizing what the growth potential was. No it's, it's just interesting to cover because I've built communities in the past but it never really mattered where where people were because we were all able to to communicate from the get-go um, and it wasn't something like if you were if you were providing a service in a particular area and then you were scaling it out, but the 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 community was growing faster than you were able to scale it, and um, I just always an interesting conversation around that. We'll yeah. move on to funding because you, you've raised, as I said, ten million dollars uh, in, in in funding, and I think that was in September uh, or October of last year. Um, that money is to help with the scale to the US. Are you are you you're you're currently available in the US because you're in New York and you're in, and you're in uh, Los Angeles? Where are you, where are you looking to use that money and how are you looking to scale? So before the pandemic, the just 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 in the months before the pandemic, the US had become our our largest and fastest growing market, and is now over forty percent of our overall members are based in the US. So it's a really important market for us. The the revenues that we have had in the past, we have reinvested heavily in making the product better. So we've got a great team who are looking at enhancing the product, both in terms of our ability to acquire new members, but then also to provide a great experience for the members who are there. And we wanted to continue to invest in that. But what we felt was that the market opportunity was now, um, the timing was great, and so we felt we wanted some more marketing firepower. So the $10 million that we raised was specifically designed to go into, into, into creating awareness and into, in, into marketing. And the way that we're spending that now is predominantly in the US. Um, and the approach we've taken is to have a to have kind of broad reach, you know, through paid search, through paid social. Um, now with YouTube as well, but specifically to focus on California and even more specifically on Southern California, because that's become quite a hotspot. And I was actually in San Diego um, a few weeks ago, meeting with some members, meeting with some charity partners that we have uh, that we have out there, and you do get this sort of network effect of word of mouth of people recommending us to to their friends. Um, we. We've been trying to harness that in Southern California. We've been doing things like sponsoring um, the, the Little Italy in San Diego, really beautiful little corner of San Diego. There's, there's a dog park there. So we've been sponsoring and creating events there, which have been, you know, been 
really well attended and also and in particular what's what's amazing about our community they've been run by our members um you know we don't have people on the ground in in, in san diego so it's our members really wanting to, to spread the love so i guess you know the, the approach to the us is to have a kind of fairly broad reach we, we kind of naturally fall into east and west coast if you look at our where we do have our density it's kind of um southern california Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, and then Austin in the middle, and then New York, Boston, etc. On, on on the east. So we're trying to get the balance right between covering geographically, but then also really sort of targeting hotspots as well. You you mentioned something there that's actually really interesting, and that's with your community running the events for you um, in in the US. And I know there's a lot of listeners now that can't get their head around that because this is the conversation I've had with so many entrepreneurs and, and brands that are trying to build a community is they don't understand that it's involving your community in the business as much as possible, whether it's making a, de- a decision that's going to affect them or like you, where they're running the events for you over in, in LA. So how, how did that come about? Is that something that, they brought up themselves and and you just saw the opportunity there and you involved them in it or was that something you decided why don't we see if our community can help us build this and in a different country well one one of the real sort of core principles of trusted house cities is that we we celebrate the sense of community um, that we've created you know we've we've got a strong belief that you know through community you can develop you know the kinder economy and you sort of unite, and, and we think that we unite people over a shared love of pets. Um, so we really try and constantly remind people that there's there's a world of individuals like ourselves who who need help um, and who can offer help. And I think that our members really understand that and, and get it and love the fact that that's what we stand for. Um, you know, we're a real sort of business with a heart. And so when it comes down to these kind of things, you know, we've got some incredibly, incredible, you know, dynamic, um, you know, energetic members who are just delighted to spend a Saturday morning, you know, running an event in a dog park to um, to spread the love. So it's something that has happened organically over the years, I think. It's not been a particularly big sort of strategic initiative as such. It's just something that, that's that's happened. And, you know, we're incredibly grateful to the members who, who support us with it. Where are you engaging with your community? Because, like, the bigger the community, people normally look at the likes of Slack and we'll build a Slack group and we'll, we'll we'll add all of our members into the community there i've heard of of others who are just using facebook uh groups what are you using to communicate with your community so through, throughout our life um we've had a community manager um angela who is well known to many members of our of our community and she and supported by her team and many others across the business reach out regularly to the community to you know, to, to talk to them, to garner feedback, uh, to solve problems, um, and to to generally kind of commu- uh, you know communicate uh, across the piece. So, so I think we've we've built relationships between the business and the community ever since we started out. Um, about eighteen months ago, we launched a a forum on our website, um, which now has, I think it's I think we're up to about three and a half thousand of our members. 
actively participating on a regular basis on the forum. And that's been in- incredible because, um, you know, we get, you know, minute by minute commentary from members around what's what they've got on their minds. Um, it's a brilliant uh, way for people who are considering trusted house sitters but think okay is this is this too good to be true you know to come in and see community members discussing issues between between themselves it's a really great way of getting feed, you know product feedback um, you know we use it a lot for um, to reach out to members to say hey we've got this idea what do you think about this or um, or members will tell us and then also when we when we launch new initiatives, we can use that as a way of communicating, and we get great feedback. Um, sometimes very very blunt, um, but um, nevertheless, you know, really solid um, feedback. And and what's great about it is it's all based on a foundation of the fact that everybody who's on that as part of that community wants us to be better. So. Um, so that's so I guess it's a sort of two pronged approach really with people and the platform. Are, are, now that you're expanding more and more in the US, are you going to hire people in the US or will you keep the, the team? I take it the bulk of the team are in the UK, are they? Or are they further afield? Yeah, every, well, um, we, we're we UK based. Um, we've now got some international um, members of the team, but that's because we're remote first. So we've been able to hire globally. We haven't actually got any US uh, members, members of staff. So but the approach we've taken to the US, I think, has been quite a unique one. And when we were when when I was being looking to scale and as part of this sort of tech community, everybody said to me, "Oh, you've got to be there. Um, you know, you and you and or and or key members of your exec team need to go and um, base yourselves out there." Um, and I, that wasn't available to us um, as a as an option. So, trying to think, okay, so how can we do this really well? Um, and I think also that's a bit more of a B two B aspect. I think with B two C, you've probably got a a bit more of an opportunity to do it remotely. But the first thing that we did was, as part of the raise um, last year, um, we brought in a US board member um, who I I did a short list of a handful of people that I really wanted to approach and was really pleased to be able to get my number one, who is a very well-known US pet entrepreneur who's Bought, who's, who's built and sold several very successful businesses and is genuinely a really great guy. And he has helped us. Are you able to share his name? Yeah, Brock Weatherup. Um, All right, okay. He's based out in um, based in San Diego, actually. Um, and um, he has he's been able to, to just to help us to short circuit so much. Um, you know, in terms of we we wanted to set up a a North American uh, service team. Um, and we were able to, he would be able to sort of point us in the direction. Um, in terms of agencies as well, um, you know, content marketing agencies, uh, SEO, etc. he's been helpful. So, so he's, he's been quite a catalyst, I think, for us to be able to have a more strategic approach to, to the US. Um, but I suppose the sort of four or five things that I think we've done well is, you know, we've we've built a strong agency network um, of you know of freelance uh, freelancers, um, and as I said, you know we've we've got a new um, member support team. Um, they're actually based in Canada, uh, but they're there on the same time zone as the US to be able to provide provide service and um, to to that kind of um, that that part of the world. Um, we've also um, one of our 
we, we use OKRs, and one of our OKRs is around being US first. So whenever we do anything, we always think, okay, is this the right thing US wise? Because you know there is it, it is there are cultural differences between the UK and the US. Uh, there's language differences. There's just differences in the way that you express yourselves and communicate. And we've been trying to, to make sure we've got really good at that. Um, I mentioned before about picking your regions. You know, California. Uh, we recognise through our data was a bit of a hot spot. So we've we've kind of based our intensive activities in California, but kept a spread um, across the across the place across the across the place, and then. You know, building that customer advocacy as well. So, you know, we talked about the members going out and finding other members for us. So I think it is possible to do it remotely. Um, I think as we get bigger, inevitably at some point, we will get, uh, we will start to build a physical US presence. But for the time being, I'm really happy with the way that we're we're doing this. And, um, And it's obviously meant that we can just focus on, on building um, rather than sort of infrastructure and organization and all of that kind of thing, which takes a bit longer and is a bit more expensive. It just goes to show the importance of getting the smart money involved rather than just the money. And as you said, especially when you're all based in the UK and you're, you're, you're scaling across the US, you have someone who is not only just a, a member of the team, but is an investor. Yeah. Um, who is going to obviously help out as much as humanly possible there. Can I can I ask you, when you joined, you joined the company in, in September 2019, and I'm always curious to see the thinking behind it because Andy and Rachel, who both founded Trusted House Sitters, um, I'm taking it that one of them was the CEO before you joined. And it's always nice to hear what founders are thinking because you know a lot of founders get caught up in the whole real oh i'm the ceo i'm the founder i have to be the ceo where the mentality is i've actually grown it to a certain amount i don't think i can take it any further i want to bring someone in um where i can step down or step back or 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 fill another role which i like doing um so what was the thinking behind that when you joined and, and how did it come about for you to join the team yeah, I was actually the second CEO after Andy and Rachel. And I think when Andy and Rachel um, brought in the investments from Rockpool Investments, um, part of their rationale there was was to step away. You know, starting up a business, it was kind of eight years past that. And I can totally understand them thinking, right, okay, um, I'm going to give someone else a go at, some, a, a go at running this. So I joined about a year after they... Um, after after the rock after the investments uh, with Rockpool, and what I saw in Trusted House Sitters, I'm not going to lie. To start off with, I thought this is a bit too good to be true, um, but um, as do quite a lot of, and in fact, talking to some members yesterday, they had the same um, uh, they had the same same uh, view. So I sort of did my you know had a look at it um and decided actually there is something potentially really amazing here and actually Andy and Rachel were great in terms of the fact that they gave me lots of time um lots of um lots of opportunity to get to know the business um you know lots of guidance 
you know, still see them uh, pretty regularly. And um, so they, they've obviously still maintained a huge active interest, uh, but they, they're, they're non-execs. So they sort of, you know, keep, keep their distance. Um, and it's a really good relationship we have. We've, we've actually got um, an incredibly highly functioning board, I think, because we've got, um, you've got Andy and Rachel, the founders, uh, we've got the Rockpool Investments, Skies, um, and we've got our chair, Kath Kears, who, uh, who I've got a very strong relationship with, and then Brock, you know, injecting this US expertise. So I think it, I think it works really well with Andy and Rachel um, because we have a very highly functioning board and because, you know, I know I'm the CEO, they know I'm the CEO, they know they're non-execs, and it just kind of, we, we all know our place. I want to ask you a question before we finish, which is something I ask all my guests. What is a book that you've read that has had the most impact on you as an entrepreneur or on, on the business now? Yeah, I, the, the book that I'd, I'd like to mention is called The Ethical Capitalist, which is by Julian Richer, who started Richer Sounds and built it over a long time to be this be an incredible organization in what is you know an intensely competitive environment and he's someone who who I'd always admired from uh, from afar I guess and I only read his book um, last year I think um, and I suppose when I was reading it it just sort of a lot of things fell into place for me and you know how to run a business well you know how to run a business with a purpose how to run a business you know on behalf of all stakeholders and so it really resonates and it's something that you know i try and keep for you know front and foremost um you know with with everything that we do you know are we are we doing the right thing here for for all stakeholders um and you know is this is this something that's genuinely going to make not just trust, trusted house sitters better but you know our members lives and their pets lives better um, it's um, it's also, I think, a really important book because um, you know capitalism is with us and is a, is an effective way of running businesses, but um, capitalism can be abused. And I think for to have a book like that that is a kind of shining light of how to run a business well is really important. And um, yeah, I loved it. Thank you for listening. Before you go, could you please take a moment to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast? I'd really appreciate the support. And remember, our sponsor, Uncapped, offer up to 5 million of capital for a flat fee. You pay back only as you generate sales. No dilution or loss of control. Apply online. Decision within 24 hours. Make monthly repayments that flex with your revenue. Head to weareuncapped.com forward slash UKTN to find out more. And to avail of a 10% discount off your fees, Use the code UKTN10, that's UKTN10.